0: And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal develop high quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right. And stand up to everyday use Who has shooting mats and range bag systems To hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping MidwayUSA.com
1: Happy Tuesday everybody Today is September 20th 2022 And today's guest is Two of my good friends Justin Thielen and Pat Cook All right, welcome back to the Fall Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Blasey, and today's episode is 236, and today's a good one. We talk about uh, failures. We talk about failures and how we've corrected them in the past, because amongst the three of us, we uh, are well-educated in the failure department and uh, trying to correct those. And I think that's something everybody's looking to is like how to correct maybe a you know, an errant shot or something like that, or, you know, the way that you've entered a stand or, you know, anything, anything bumping deer, failing, like, however, you know, the moment of truth, like how to correct that and and a process into it. So that's today's podcast. We actually recorded this back in August and it was going to run early September, but getting into the latter part of September here, I think uh, it meant more sense now. So this will be running... Now, um, you'll hear me in the the intro talk about how we recorded in August, and you know I just wanted to bump it back a little bit. So that's that's the that's the gamut. Today is actually my wife and I's anniversary. So happy anniversary to my wife. We've been married eight years, but we've been together for a lot longer. Uh, you know, since two thousand nine. So. With that being said, I want to get into a little bit of partner stuff here. So, guys, Helix Broadheads, we're getting closer and closer to season. You Hopefully, you guys are shooting these things and, and getting them dialed. But uh, use Fall HX10 at checkout if you want to get some Helix Broadheads. Go check them out at helixbroadheads.com. Latitude Outdoors, the fall podcast is a code there to save. I, I believe it's 25%. Um, go to latitudeoutdoors.com to check them out. Exodus trail cams, uh, exodusoutdoorgear.com. Go check out the renders, get yourself a solar panel and everything. I mean, let's, let's keep an eye on these deer and what they're doing and try to get on them. Next is uh, vector arrows. So fall 10, we'll save you some money on some vectors this year. I'm, I'm, I, I said, I think it was last podcast or the podcast before how I actually, uh, downgraded a little bit in, in, in total weight. I'm going with the ZMRs, um, Basically, the same setup I had last year as far as you know, arrow weight and everything. But uh, my bow just handles that 470 to 480 grain arrow with a 125 helix up front, just handles it so well, and I love it. So, no reason to switch it. So, go to vectorcustomshop.com. Lastly, Garmin. Go to garmin.com, check out their bow sites, check out their watches. Uh, you will not be disappointed. So, with that being said please. And thank you. There's a, been a ton of people that, uh, I've been preaching. Please go leave a review and, and, uh, a five-star rating on Apple iTunes. And I went and looked the other day and there's been a ton of people that have done it. Thank you so much. Um, but let's keep that going. Keep it going. Please go on there and, and write a little something, a little blurb in there and then, and then hit it with a five-star rating. So that is greatly appreciated. So I'm going to keep this one short and sweet good luck to everybody out there that uh, is hunting right now i know our openers here in two weeks basically well less than two weeks so we're in the 10-day forecast already so um good luck to everybody out there and uh here's this interview with pat and justin okay we are hot fixed levels here and we're in the studio i got a couple of buddies that are familiar voices i got patrick cook sitting across from me and justin Thielen over to my left and uh aaron swan didn't want to show up because he was a little sissy tonight and he did not want to show up (laughs) because he you know he's just tired some things never change no some things never change never (laughs) so tonight we were recording on a weeknight and um justin wanted to me to look at his bow and and do some paper tuning on it and uh i said hey man impromptu do you want to do a podcast he's like yeah let's do it so then i Got with Patrick, and he's like, well, if I'm there, I'm there. If I'm not, I'm not. So we gave him some shit, and here he is. He pulled. He pulled Here it. I am. <laughs> but uh, these guys, if you haven't, I mean, you've probably heard of, heard from them, but they've been on a couple podcasts, but the most recent one was episode 200, wasn't it? You guys are around 200. Yep. And we talked about a whole plethora of stuff that night. I mean, there was a lot of shit we talked about, but I figured tonight, we could talk about some failures, correction of those failures, and the mental side of things. And I'm, I'm trying to beat that home, the mental side of things, is just because I think it gets overlooked. So uh, I don't know. You guys think that's all right? Or what do you think?
2: Yeah, let's do it.
3: I think we're experiencing the, <laughs> that department.
1: Uh, and we'll branch off, because I want to start with something a little different. We're, we're end of August here, uh, recording this. This will be going live, probably the first first part of september so kentucky would be starting basically now um michigan football is basically going to be starting so i'm excited for that um but i guess let's talk about a little bit of gear let's spend 10-15 minutes on gear because i mean we're just sitting in my hunting room just talking about little and patrick made the comedy he's like dude there's just so much little shit that little trinket stuff Mm -hmm. you know so we're all hunting with saddles and i know we talked about gear on the long haul but you know things have probably could have changed so let's go back to our setups, justin let's start with you like what from top to bottom sticks platform saddle what are you running
2: yep all right so this year i plan on running the uh latitude uh, method yep method one um So then for platform, I'm changing it up a little bit this year. Move your mic a little closer. I was running uh, the mission platform last year, but realized that's a little too big to be toting around on public land, uh, the out-of-state trips. It just gets monotonous. It's catching on things. It's just a little too big. Um, So I'm downsizing just a hair this year, going with a different platform. Uh, I'm going to be running the lone wolf custom gear double steps with the cable laders on them. Uh, But other than that, that's... Not much has
1: changed. What are you running for, like we were just talking about the bow hanger and stuff I had. Like, what are you running for a gear strap? Are you running a gear strap?
2: Yeah. Yep. Running the Hiss strap um, on public and then uh, private running the the Hawk screwing. Screwing. Yeah. So when
1: you're on public, what do you... Because I know there's a lot of options for like Hero Clips and other stuff. Like, what are you running for a bow hanger on that?
2: As far as like the...
1: Like on your gear strap, or do you not? Do you just kind of? What are you running? <laughs>
3: <laughs> How are you hanging your bow?
1: <laughs> How are you hanging your bow on public? Uh, screwing, <laughs> <laughs> screwing. <laughs> but that's what it is.
2: Uh, I don't know. I got to figure that out for this year because yeah. that that hawk. I'm not a fan of it. It's really? Just, is
1: it the is it the extendable one? Yep. Yeah. The small one. Yeah. I got it. it squeaks. Too. Squeaks like a pair of prick.
2: Yep. Yeah. And it uh. You hang that Matthews on it fully extended, and it just, it's a little extra weight for it. So it's moving up and down every time you're pulling your bow off of it. And I got to figure something out in that department this year. I'm, I'm lacking there for sure.
1: Zeke, what are you running? Anything changed on your?
2: Nope.
3: Uh, I ain't changing shit this year, I don't think.
1: (laughs) I like it. Kind of,
3: kind of a good feeling because, uh, you know, saved some money, but this is like the first year that I'm, just not buying nothing new
1: what have you bought this year anything at all gear like could be socks it could be
3: uh new deer blend
1: oh yeah you did yeah
3: that was my expenditure for the year
1: <laughs> pinching pennies over there he is
3: how do you hang your bow on public uh, i got a his strap and uh about a 50 cent screw-in hanger
1: yeah, see both are both are violators <laughs> <laughs> but i mean let's be honest I bet you a high percentage of cats out there are screwing stuff in, cutting limbs. I mean, I was up at a piece of public in northern Michigan this spring, and a guy had come through literally that week and cut trees down for a lane with a chainsaw. Like, there's just cedar trees and everything just mowed down, like, fresh cuts. I'm like,
0: what the hell? Like,
1: I could see maybe doing, like, a couple little limbs here and there just to... But, I mean, we're talking... 10 12 inch in diameter cedar trees, hmm. and he's just mowing them down. I'm like, All right,
2: <laughs> gotta get those shooting lanes.
1: <laughs> Michigan, Michigan hunters drive a truck
2: through them, <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah, uh, they come through this lane quick, so they got to get them through the next one, you know.
3: No, not much changing here, but I was, you know, looking at your bag here before this podcast. Uh, that's that's one area I might upgrade the old 25 dollars Amazon bag, which Cutner. It works, but. You know, like I was telling you, when I got my gear cinched down, it's hard to reach in there, which is a Mm -hmm. pain in the ass. But I don't know. I'm leaning towards just running it.
1: Well, in my bag, I don't know if I've told people yet or not. There's no big secret, but I'm running an Everly Stock Bandit. Um, I was trying to do the super minimalist thing this year. I'm going to run the X-Wing platform, and then my sticks, as of right now, until Latitude comes out with their sticks, I'm running four novix minis is what i'm going to be running and with four sticks stacked together in that platform i'm at like six and a half seven pounds and it like this everly stock bandit um pack it's got like a leech system on the outside of it and you guys see it you just kind of leech it down and it's pretty tight right there mm-hmm. and i can fit my i've got a pocket arm with a manfrotto head on it fits in there I've got my DSLR camera that'll fit in there, my GoPro, one or two layers, a rain layer, and my gloves, and I'm good to go. So I think it'll be a good setup where I wear the saddle in. I'm gonna wear it in. I don't, I don't really want to take it off. Are they, do you guys wear yours in? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I know guys that take it off and put it in their pack, and I'm like, I don't know. They're so small, and like they just like you're wearing shorts, really.
2: Well, and you just eliminated all that extra movement at the base of your tree. I mean, why go out there and try to jump rope to get it into it when you yep. can just put it on and wear it out? Yep. Climb up.
1: Oh, another thing. Okay, so that was that was all I want to do on the gear thing. This is something I want to ask you guys, put you on the spot here. The new mandatory check in for Michigan. I just did a post on Instagram, tagged guys in it, you know, earlier, and I want to get you guys' thoughts on it. So I'm going to read it here. For everybody listening that doesn't, you know, if you're not from Michigan or whatever, and actually when I posted this, did you guys see the comments of like guys who are like, I thought this was standard like for every state. Well, <laughs> not Michigan. So one little rundown first is like Michigan, and I can probably attest for all three of us here, have we've never checked a deer in in our life. No. Never, not not, not even our, at a check-in station. Nope. I've never, not, nope. Nope. No check-in, no nothing. I've never had to check a deer in. And we're not in a CWD county, so we weren't, you know, we when we killed deer in the CWD deal, we did not have to check them in. So <clears throat> Michigan, they come up with their harvest logs every year, and I, I honestly think they're complete fabricated numbers. I don't know where they get them from. I don't know if they have just pulled them out of the air. But so, like, and and I want to preempt it with, like, this mandatory phone-in check or whatever it, not everybody's going to do it, but we're going to be better off with numbers than we are now, I feel like. That's where my head's at. So, this is what it says. The Mandatory Deer Harvest Reporting. Starting with the fall of 2022 deer season, the Natural Resource Commission and DNR are requiring online harvest reporting for all hunters who successfully take a deer. Hunters must report. Now, this is where it gets a little hairy in some of these. Hunters must report. The kill tag license number that is attached to the deer, which is fine and dandy. This is the one right here. Exact location of harvest. I don't really. It's probably a pretty broad comment, but I'm thinking like county. Like I'll give you the county. Right. it's in, But like why do if they're talking exacts so like.
2: Longitude, latitude. Kill yeah, it right here. I don't right want this to pen. give you an on X pin really. <laughs> you know? Have you downloaded the app? I did. It's
1: a pretty nice app. Like I, you can buy your tags through it. You can apply for preference points and everything through it. Your hunter education card is in it. I think mm-hmm. wasn't there. What else? That's all I've really dove into. Did you dive into it farther?
3: Well, I just downloaded it, but one thing I noticed is that it wants your location. So I figured, yep, when I do, yeah, when you should do, yeah, you're gonna.
1: Mine says Des Moines, Iowa, for some reason. When I turn it on, <laughs> it's like doesn't say my location. And I'm like, wow. Oh. I guess I'm in Des Moines then, you know, but it, it'll ask you, you know, if you want to enable your location, I just say never, or you can put like while you're using the app if you want. But, um, so yeah. And then it says type of deer harvested antler or a doe, number of antler points. If it's a buck, some personal information, uh, type of hunting device that you used and you got to report it within 72 hours of recovering a deer failure failure to comply with harvest reporting on can can result in a misdemeanor. So they do have an app and for Michigan hunters, please look into it and do it. I just want it to be, I just want the numbers to be better. I want our herd to be better. And this is like the steps in the right direction to do that. I think what's your guys' thoughts?
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think it's the right direction. Um, The biggest thing is that they're, they're willing to change Mm -hmm. and, do something new um, I think we'll get a better grasp on our numbers that we're killing every year and like I said that's the biggest thing is when's the last time they've made a change really like a major one and this is kind of the change that might lead to some future changes yeah. that'll kind of in line align with our visions
1: agreed what do you got?
2: Yeah, I agree with all that. I guess I'm just curious. Do you get like a confirmation after you check your deer in that you have to provide at the processor or are they checking confirmations? Same with like a taxidermist. Are they going to be checking your confirmation number when you drop your, you know, your cape off?
1: I don't know that in other States and in Kansas as well, they give you a number you got to write on the tag. Yep. So then you have that number that's on the tag. Um, but then like Missouri and people from Missouri might bash me or something, but I haven't filled out a tags from Missouri since 2017. But what I remember is on their app, basically it tells you to punch the tag, and when you hit that button, like your tag is already, like it sends it right to the database. So if you get stopped or anything like that, they can pull you up on the database, and you can see that you punched the tag for this deer. I don't know if it's going to be something like that or if they're going to give you a number you have to write down. I don't know that.
2: But it's a good question. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people are going to be wondering when they go to drop it off, you know. Right. If you don't have your confirmation number when you show up there to drop your deer off, there will be a lot of surprised people when they get there. Yeah. Especially like the older generation that's not tech savvy. They're going to struggle with it, I think.
1: Well, and I think that kind of brings up a good point, too, of like, you know, when you go to a... If you do take a deer to a processor or a taxidermist, you know, you have to have the tag with it, you know. So could there be some sort of scanning app? you know scanning operation at a butcher shop let's just say when they come when they scan your tag and if if it doesn't scan right there that you punch your tag electronically then that puts a red flag like so you just have more people like you're trying to keep more people honest you know right, what i mean like right. scan that thing with like whatever it is and if it's not punched it sends a tag like you know and then but you still have to get people that just take it home and cut it up themselves i get it but mm-hmm. like there's a lot of people that use butcher shops right you know so if you want to monitor even more take it a little step further maybe i don't know
2: i think it's i think it's pretty cool because like oklahoma last year when we were hunting down there they had up-to-date information so you could see that within this unit or within this county there has been x amount of bucks killed and then it actually lists each one like by points so yep. you knew that there was a 10 point or a 12 point really yeah. harvested within That's that county really cool. within that same season and you could even look up your your
3: unit you're hunting like you know whatever unit you're hunting, you can see all. Oh, 14 point
2: was
1: killed yesterday here. Right, that's right down, to, sweet,
2: yeah, right down to the county that you're in. So that's cool. I pu- can see public that. and private, but
1: yeah. they are just to give counties. They don't give like townships or anything like that. Or I think it was just counties, just county and just private to be or public. County. It doesn't yep. need to be anything more than that, in my opinion. So yeah, I think it's a step in the right direction. We'll see how it goes, but like I'm just gonna reiterate to everybody listening that if you're a Michigan hunter, you're coming to Michigan. Please exercise it, you know, try it out, do it if you're for the greater good. And, you know, we all want to kill better deer and, you know, and and have deer hunting for a long time. Like this is a step in that direction to, to achieve both of those. Hopefully the next one we can go to is a one buck. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But, uh, I don't know. We'll see.
3: You don't have to necessarily have the app, right? You can call it in.
1: No, you can, uh, it it says you can go to Michigan.gov slash dnr backslash things to do backslash hunting backslash deer if you want and you can do it there or you can do it on the app and i think i i I think you're right i think you can call i gotta look into a little bit more so but the the app is called michigan dnr so and it's a pretty what i've looked at you you know it's a pretty intuitive deal gives you the weather you know um the sunrise, sunset, stuff like that, bear metric pressure. So it's got like a little weather deal on it too. So I don't know. Drawing results, inbox. You can look at a map, regulations. Yeah, regulations right there. So yeah, I mean you can check your preference points. So like my bear preference points, I've got fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting for a bear tag. If anybody out there is a Michigan bear guy or whatever, and you know.
2: Holding out for that premier unit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: I just haven't been able to go in 14 years. I literally have 14 points. <laughs> so,
2: I envy you. <laughs> uh,
1: I want, I want to so bad, but now I'm getting to the point where I want to be kind of a slam dunk. <laughs> like, right. I've been waiting for so long where it's like,
3: well, you're almost, you're almost there.
1: I can almost draw a uh, drum and probably. <laughs> right. So, all right, let's move on a little bit. Let's talk about, uh, the kiss of death. I'm going to call it, but, uh, the failures. I feel like, um, you know, when you listen to podcast or just, you know, might even be YouTube content as well. Not a lot of guys talking about failures. I recorded with Jake Bush last week, and you know, I asked him about a couple of his failures. And when we were done recording, he was like, "It was kind of weird. You asked me about like failing. Like, you know, not a lot of people ask me that." So like, when we consume this content, whatever it might be, podcast form or YouTube, it's like. These guys are making it look so easy, but really, reality—the Andy Mays and the Jake Bushes and the Dan and Faults and stuff—they're failing a lot. You know, it's just not at the forefront. So, all three of us have failed a lot, and I say we get into them.
2: Yeah, you know, you say that like the the YouTube stuff. So, I watch a lot of uh, Jeff Sturgis stuff, and mm-hmm. I listened to a podcast, uh, Wired to Hunt. They had Jeff Sturgis on there, and he was talking about the same exact thing. Like, he had a year where he. M- either missed or wound, he, I think he wounded one deer and missed two other, you know, significant bucks. But when you watch YouTube and you watch and you see the kills that he it has tells a story. year in and year out, I would have never guessed that that guy missed a shot in his life. Mm-hmm. But listening to that podcast, I was like, wait a minute. You know, I'm not the only one. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it's mental, I'd say. Um, if you go back to 2020, I've talked about that on here before with you guys. And, mm-hmm. Talked about how terrible of a year it was. You know, I went out to Kansas after a marginal year here in Michigan, and I don't know, I must have flung 8, 10, I don't know, 20 arrows, whatever it was. It was a lot. Um, in Kansas alone? In Kansas, yeah. And it was the year that I switched my whole setup. So I switched my arrows, I switched my broadheads, I, you know, everything was different. Um, I just did too much all at once. Uh, so that kind of started the ma- the mind game. And
1: hard to come back from that.
2: Yeah. Come to find out I had a couple of issues going on. Uh, that was the year that we worked on my bow. I had a timing issue, uh, found out that my arrows were underspined for the fixed blade broadheads I was shooting. I was getting sporadic hits on target. Couldn't figure it out. Um, actually Aaron Swan and I were talking about this this past weekend, it was opening day and I'm standing in his yard trying out different broadheads that he has (laughs) just trying to figure out what would fly out of my bow. So opening day, 2020, I am my head case and it just stuck with me all year. And then go down to Kansas, had that year down there and topped it all off with getting robbed on the last day.
1: Yeah. You got his truck broken too.
2: It was just, I was ready to hang the bow up at the end of 2020. Well,
1: um, and then we went into the, the winter of that year and really broke your bow down. And like, I remember, I honestly remember watching you shoot it through paper and you, I, it felt like, like a weight was lifted. Like, Oh my God. Like, and then I remember you saying, I went home and shot and stuff like that. And it just feels like a different setup. Yeah. And I could see the confidence coming back in you.
2: So I got those new strings and I, I met with you going into that 2021 season. And we spent, I think three or four hours working on it that night mm-hmm. and finally had it shooting bullet holes. Um, I had some different arrows, a little stronger spine, switched top hats around yeah. once on the cams and yep.
1: figuring stuff out there.
2: So really Really started focusing on all that stuff that I've always overlooked. Like I just kind of just took it for granted that Mm -hmm. you buy a bow, you're gonna shoot it, and no matter what arrow you run through it, you're gonna you just gotta adjust your sight, right? You know, sight it in. Well, that is by far the farthest (laughs) thing from the truth, especially when you start shooting those heavier arrows with those fixed blade broadheads that are just flying different. I've come to find out you got to spend a little more time on your setup and. And that's where the mental thing starts to turn on you. You know, once you've spent that time with your setup, you're getting better shots on target. Things are starting to look up for you. It just, it builds your confidence going into season. And so last year, I mean, started out in September with that bear hunt in the UP, Mm -hmm. shot a bear at 31 yards, direct heart shot, you know, he ran 60 yards and died. I mean, that was just, that's where it turned for me last year. And then had a good year here in Michigan, shot my best buck. Um but again it was all it was mental. You know, the confidence that Do
1: you ever see that coming back though? Like when a deer's coming in, like this year, when you go full draw, you're like, does those that little yip kind of deal, like like, you know, does it ever come back? Like
2: So yeah. Uh the scar tissue never fades. There you it, go. The scar, scar t- tissue is always like that. Always I like with that. You. <laughs> um so that's my primary focus for this year is just improving myself rather than improving myself. I'm focusing on my draw cycle, working on my shot process. I'm dieting, I'm exercising, like everything. I want to be in tip top shape coming into October 1st Mm -hmm. or the best that I can with the time that I have.
1: So what is a way, you know, go take, put yourself back in that situation when you were in Michigan, getting ready to go full draw on this deer. Like, and you got that little guy, that little scar tissue, like tickling you a little bit, like, Hey, you know, you need to come over to the dark side again and just fuck this up again. Like, what are you doing? Like, is there something that you're thinking about now to like, kind of say, no, no, you know, like, you know, keep, I don't know what the word is for it, but is there something you're doing just to kind of keep your head straight?
2: Yep. So obviously in archery hunting, a lot of it is angles and inches. I mean, your kill shot is the difference of two inches or it's the mm-hmm. difference of a quartering away shot. Um, um, as opposed to a quartering two put in the right place. You know, if it's, it could be quartering two and if you're three, four inches off, then it's not a kill shot, uh, you know, just up or down or whatever, you know, you, you kind of see where I'm going with that. Yep. It's like, yep. first of all, make sure that the shot that you're taking is a kill shot. In my opinion, you know, do you have a good shot at the vitals? Is it, is it light enough to see your target? I've had a lot of scenarios where it's low light situations and, And I think I'm on target, but I'm not sure. So one thing I've learned is, and what I'm going to try to do is before I release that trigger, I ask myself every time, is this a kill shot? That's like part of myself, part of talking to myself through the process, I think. And that's really what I'm going to try to focus on.
1: Yep. Yeah. And, um, that's a good point. Like having, having a process is always good. You know what I mean? So when all else fails, you have a you can go back to a checklist or whatever that process is, like, you know, follow through or whatever it might be for some people. So like having that little keyword like you like you have some keywords, like that's a good in the moment of truth, and you know, milliseconds like is this a kill shot? And if you're all systems say go, then cut or lose, you know. Right.
2: So I'm trying to slow that process down a little bit. It's and tough. Instead no. of you know, instead of coming down I got my pin on brown. I think it's where it's at, and I'd punch that trigger quick. Mm-hmm. If I can just take that extra second and make sure and ask myself, and if I can tell myself yes, then, I mean, the so, arrow's going to fly.
1: So I can say, like, from my transition, you know, before, before I had a kid, I shot all the time in the summer. Shoot, shoot, shoot. I'd shoot hundreds of arrows all summer. Now I don't. I shoot maybe... You know, in the last two months, I've probably shot thirty arrows, maybe, but thirty good arrows. Like, I don't feel like I need to shoot, 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 um, because I think it can create bad habits. But also, like, it makes me not want to pick my bow up. Does that kind of make sense? Like, it, like, it's you know. I want to keep it fresh. I don't want to be like, oh shit, I got to go shoot my bow, you know, mm-hmm. like just get out. And I, I have my bow in a in a position where I can just grab it and grab an arrow, put my release on it and go shoot one and shoot a cold one, shoot two gold ones or whatever. And then there's times where I'll get the saddle on. Cause I'm trying to work with the saddle as well. And that's kind of a process. That's like a half hour, 45 minutes, like really get into it. But I found shooting less helps me more in the mental side of things sounds really weird but that's kind of what well i think that's true
2: too because if you're out there shooting 30 arrows yeah your first five arrows your first six arrows are good you're doing i think you're doing yourself a disservice when you're shooting that 20th arrow on a sitting because you're wobbling you're fatigued and you're not again the mental process if you're you're not you're probably doing that figure eight over your target and you're just punching that trigger when you think you're over it whereas if you're fresh you go out there it's easier to come down on target rest let it go
1: Yep. What's your process, Zeke?
3: Well, I was just gonna chime in there. I agree with uh shooting a lot of arrows because I'm guilty of, you know, getting that tenth arrow, and next thing you shot, and you're like, shit, I didn't go through my mental process. So right. Like, you're just pulling back. Yeah. And going, you're just pulled you know? back and letting go. How many
1: times have you guys seen guys like, just like you're in a groove, and then they don't put an arrow and they dry fire their bow, and I'm like, how the hell did you just do that? Like, you shoot your bow all the time. Like, it's that process. You just, it's, it's so. Second nature, it's just like you're 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 just a machine now, you're just going through the motions, kind of, but keep going,
3: yeah. And that's that's what I'm trying to get better on is talking myself through my steps, you know, Mm -hmm. pull back, float, um, anchor, release. Because I got a little bit of target panic here and there, nothing major, nothing I'm worried about. But I find if I don't talk myself through it, I'll do that little jump, you know, and I don't actually hit the trigger, Mm -hmm. and uh that's what I'm trying to work on is exactly what Justin said is get that process in your head and stick into it. Cause I'm guilty of just, just shooting arrows just to shoot.
1: Yep. Just like, Hey, I'm going to just go out and shoot some arrows. Like, I feel like you need to shoot with a purpose. And what I mean by that is like, I can only stay focused for about 10 minutes at a time. You know what I mean? So like go out there for 10 minutes. if If you're like me, and really focus on your draw, your back wall. Really, like, you know, not punching the trigger. Like, really tell yourself, like, don't punch. Just squeeze. And then, you know, you push your shoulder blades together and just let the ball go off. Like, I have to do that. And literally, I can only last about eight or ten minutes. And it's like, like you said, Pat, is like, it's just like you're your, just shooting.
3: Your attention span has
1: gone. 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 I mean, I am could be a slight case of ADD. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea, but... It's just less is more for me you know and then I also don't feel like I need to go out and shoot my bow like I used to think I need to build that quote unquote muscle memory up to pull my bow back and everything I don't think that now i I literally I have to be able to pull my bow back one time and hold it and let her eat you know we're we're going to tree stands or tree saddles and hunting like it's not like we're going out if it was out hunting okay I'd be a little different process but like you know I really think just just do practice, you know, for as long Clint, Clint Casper says it all the time. He shoots a cold arrow, one cold arrow a day, you know, sometimes where he's just like, I'll just pick my bow up and shoot a cold one. That's it. That's all, yep. you know, so less is more.
2: Yeah. And then the truth of the moment, that's what it is. It's just one arrow. It's one cold arrow. Yep. Um, oh, where was I was going to go with that. I just had a thought, but I guess one other thing I would say is, um, you know, as you get that scar tissue built up, it's, it gets even harder because I mean, we're dudes, we're all pretty competitive Mm -hmm. when it boils right down to it. (laughs) So you get a lot of mental abuse from the buddies and it's all, it's It's all good fun. Um, and honestly, I'm probably harder on myself than the buddies could ever be, but that, that plays a factor too. You know, you got to get that kill back under your belt to get, that monkey back off your back. Yeah. You know? It's all good fun, but you're lying if you say it doesn't bother you. <laughs> oh, it just tears you up. It does. Because you know you're better than that, You just you, oh, and yeah. you want to do better than that, but it can be mentally draining.
1: I keep talking about, like, you know, a couple years ago, I missed that deer behind the house, and, you know, he it was a poke. It was a little over 40 yards, but a shot that I can make, and I rushed it, um, shot over his back, but the thing I did wrong was – I, as he come out, he was in, I was on a field edge and you know, he's got nowhere to go. Like, I mean, he's got a place to go, but he's not leaving like any, you know, I get to full draw and I'm filming myself. So it's like trying to film and get him, make sure he's on camera. And I know he's on camera, but that's just in my head. Like I'm, I'm wide. He's got a good ways to go, um, to be off of camera. But then it's like, I put the pin on. And then he takes like two steps and in my head those two steps were like he's gonna leave. So I mad at him and I stopped him. And then he's just like, oh, what was that? You know, he's like <laughs> alert and I'm like, oh, this is easy pickings, you know. And he ducked before the bow or the arrow came off my bow, basically, you know, and it's way over his back. And it's like after that happened, I was disappointed, but I'm like I had a heart to heart with myself in the tree, like you can't be mad. Because what you just did, you can fix that. That's controllable. Like, the details leading up to that hunt, which, you know, I've said in other podcasts, and, like, how to get on that deer, that's stuff that, like, you know, I did right. So I'm trying to get the positives out of that, but the shot, I can fix that. You know, and it's, like, it's different. I've had a problem with stopping deer all the time. It's just second nature. You watch Primos when you're a kid, and that's what they did. You know, and it's Mm -hmm. just, like, I'm, like, why do I do that? I do it all the time.
2: Yeah. Oh.
3: that was my biggest struggle last year. Stopping deer? Yep. I think I talked about it on episode 200, but twice last year, Michigan buck and then my Oklahoma buck.
1: Well, you hit the Michigan buck high, right?
3: Yeah, I hit him high, but... Same but not, th-
1: not like crazy high, like it was a kill backstrapped shot. Backstrapped him. Oh, you did? Oh, okay.
3: But I, that's the one I ended up shooting later that season, the same one.
1: That's right. I forgot about that.
3: But shy that instance, Oklahoma, did the same thing. I mean, that one I, I still still take to my grave that I had to stop him because I had a window between autumn olives, and oh, yeah. it was now or never. So let's, you can control it, but then there's also it's so circumstance-driven. There's just times where you either got to be good with letting the deer go or you got to stop them to you yep. get your chance, you know, out of state. I'm taking that chance of stopping him all the time. Do I know the right answer? Is he gonna string jump me? Right. I don't know. I mean How far was he? Uh thirty-two. Thirty-two. And I shot him for like twenty eight. And he still 20. he still ducked it.
1: So with that, you know, and that's just another process, another cog in the wheel there of like do you shoot for 20 exactly you know what i mean so then then you're in the headspace again like shit should i done this should i did this i'm
3: i'm no expert by any means but i just i don't know the right answer but i feel like like i said it's gonna be circumstance driven but i feel like in the future i need to start shooting them quite a bit lower once i stop them
1: now tell me this so let's say you train yourself to start shooting a little lower See if the same situation go and you shoot a little low but then the deer doesn't duck and you you miss him low. Is that a scenario where you're like, well, you know, I taught my I trained myself to do that. That's just the deer didn't do, you know, it's it's I don't know it's just such a mental game.
3: It is. And I think I could live with myself
1: missing low. Missing low cuz if he didn't do what he usually does, I don't know like, my
3: percentages, but I would say I mean, last year wasn't the first time I've ever I had one duck, so I'd say over seventy-five percent of them have ducked my arrow rather than stood still.
1: Seventy-five percent, huh? I and mean, that's a good—that's a just, good number. Shoot,
3: just shooting off the hip there, but
1: <laughs> it's a good number. It's a high number.
3: I believe it, though. I mean, like I said, I'm no expert, but I, I bet you if you stop a deer over half, them would probably duck rather oh, than stand yeah. still.
1: Agreed. Agreed. And you know, I I stopped the hambino, but he was at seventeen yards, like. Not to say he couldn't duck, but I mean, that deer was, I did hit him a little high, you know, but it was, I mean, he ran 60 yards and piled up, you know, and then, um, well shit, all three of my deer last year, I never stopped, but the, the one was feeding in a food plot. Didn't have, he didn't even know I was there. The other one, he stopped on by himself. And then the Michigan one, he just had women on his mind.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, and if you think you know, about it, that 160, whatever, 170 pound deer, whatever it is, uh, the speed of gravity for that deer to just oh. drop its legs out from underneath them and hit the ground, that's, I don't know what the you know miles per hour would be, but that thing is fast, dropping instantly.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> to, to if, and anybody listening can go to my YouTube channel and watch my Illinois deer. So that was a 54-yard shot. If you try to slow that down on YouTube, you can see it looks like the arrow gets to, you know, right next to him before he even starts flinching. You know what I mean? I'm talking a 54 yards and there has enough time to arc. I probably, if he wouldn't have ducked, I probably would have missed him low. But I sight my bow in at 50 yards, usually about three inches low. And 60 yards is about four or five inches low. Like I tip like if I was to go out and shoot a field point right now at 50 yards and put it right on, I would hit three inches low. But that's how I set my bow in. You know, and 40 yards is usually around two inches roughly the give or take. I just do that knowing that helps too. Cause if like in the heat of the moment, like you talked you stop a deer and you, and you just like go back to autopilot and you're like, put it right on him You know, you sighted in, in the yard, three inches low, you might be good.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know mm-hmm. that that's my process. That might be a good way to take the mental side of it out. I mean, where you're not trying to compensate in the heat of the moment. Well, and
1: just like Patrick I'll, I'll bet you mine's a pretty high number too but a lot of my misses are high you know two years 2010 and 11 i missed every deer high skipped it off the back went through the back straps hit a no man's lamb every one i think there was four deer that i did it on
3: i think also part of my problem is like you do you draw back and you're thinking center 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 max. i need to yeah. get lower third heart shot in my head
1: now are you a guy that sticks close to the shoulder or do you move back
2: i stick close to the shoulder do you i stick in the shoulder
1: (laughs) not on purpose (laughs) Uh, that has been my first nemesis yeah but shoulder shots with light arrows i'm the same way as is like i'm like right behind the shoulder button really we've got a paper plate size that we can move back and we're good Mm -hmm. you know but i'm not gonna lie i was taught crease that crease yeah that's so what we were taught.
2: I was taught, put it on the shoulder and pull the trigger <laughs> by my rifle hunting dad. <laughs> you know, he never really bow hunted. So he, yep. he, he taught me based on what you do with the rifle and the old farmer in him said, just put it on the shoulder and pull the trigger.
1: Yeah. So Pat, when you're, let's say you got a deer coming hypothetical coming in, you don't have to stop him. You're aiming for that little dark spot, that crease low aren't you or is that what you're aiming
3: well that's what i i'm gonna start doing you know i've always been a you know when i say middle i'm not talking center mass i'm just saying top of the back bottom of the belly i was going right in the middle i think i need okay. to start cheating down to that lower third
1: i would think so too just because even if the deer flinches a little bit your high shoulder little high like yeah definitely it's like a little magnetic field there mm-hmm.
3: the shoulder in that middle
1: yeah i know it gosh damn shoulders but
3: i I had the same problem as justin you know years prior the shoulder was a little bit of an issue for me so not saying it's the end all be all but i switched to fixed blades and a little heavier setup and i was pleased with what i seen last year as far as penetration so not terribly concerned about the shoulder anymore
0: With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. What, um,
1: what is your guys, because we all run fixed blades, you guys have been running fixed blades a couple more years than I have, I think. Um, what's been your all around, like what fixed blade you guys run in?
2: I think we're both running the same one. That Magnus Magnus Stinger. Yeah. Buzzcut? Is that what it is? Buzzcuts, yep. Two blade.
1: You got a bleeder? Yep. So, what has been your guys' blood trails like? Because that's one question I get a lot about the Helix and stuff like that. I have three scenarios I can play it off of. And, but I just want people to know, like, fixed blades in general. Like, what are we looking at here?
3: Well, I think last year was my first year
1: with the Magnus?
2: Yeah. Um,
1: I thought you shot him for two years. I thought last year was your second. I year. think
2: last year you just picked him up. Yeah. It was, oh, it was because for was, the bear hunt, right? Because yep. you guys went up bear hunt. Yep. yep. Um,
3: I'm impressed. I mean, Justin, you were on my one-track job with my 10-point behind the house. I mean, that was the red carpet. Yeah. We, there was. I mean, it was a straight walk the whole time. Where'd, um, where'd you hit him at? Perfect, right behind the shoulder. Yeah. Came out low chest yeah, and yeah. in front of the other leg he was quartering away a right little bit through
1: the goodies <laughs>
3: so that one i mean yeah he's gonna bleed. it's gonna bleed but uh the other one it was okay i mean nothing crazy but i mean so far i'm i'm not saying they're great but i'm not saying they're bad i mean i think i knew that switching from a mechanical to a fixed i was going to give up a little bit of butt trail potentially but
1: right so far you like them though yep I know you've killed a couple deer with them, so what do you like? And bear.
2: Yeah, I mean, both scenarios last year. I wasn't painting red carpets by any means, but it was a steady walk on both, I'd say. I mean, we didn't really. We've,
1: s- we've all three have shot rage before, so it's like yep. we're not getting rage blood trails, but we're getting, to me, I'm getting good enough. You know what I mean? i watch watching deer die, and they're leading me to my deer, the ones that I don't see.
2: So, in uh, 2020, that same bad year, I actually shot an eight-point here in, in Michigan with a Grim Reaper three-blade expandable and hit that thing pretty good. Didn't have a single drop drop of blood. We found the deer 70 yards away probably, and we actually tried to track it backwards, no blood, Still with complete. a three-blade expandable. Really? 70 yards, no blood. So, I don't know. I mean, I've had... <laughs> i've had a plethora of different scenarios and when you think you'd have a crazy gaping hole with a two and a half inch three blade expandable broadhead i I just ended up with nothing and then you'd think you'd be on pins and needles with fixed blade in some spots and i mean it was pretty steady the whole way so yeah i'd say the jury's throw out but i'm not worried one bit about what that
3: fixed blade's gonna do
2: i think
1: i don't i'm not worrying about it either
2: I think uh, mechanicals really shine in your marginal hits. You yep. get better blood.
1: No, I wouldn't say a shoulder hit, but like a, a hit back or high. You you might be top along, and you might get like a two inch cut, where yeah. you just make a slice through a lung or a liver. When it's like, oh man, really uh, escaped one there. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I think that's where it shines. But I feel like you know, I don't know. I, I'm just on the the side of things where I'm taking penetration and over a blood trail. And the reason being is because I want two holes in the thing for more, for, you know, possibly more blood. I don't get a lot of two holes before last year. I, I was getting one hole, Same. you know, mm-hmm. that's, I wouldn't get a hole. I wouldn't get an exit we're, 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 we're working with entries. That's it. And typically that's a little higher. So, um, killed a lot of deer with them, but. You know and, and I think and I've said it before on here where you know when a uh when a fixed blade blows through a deer and the deer just kind of runs off like what the hell was that like they have no idea like they'll run 50 60 yards and then they'll end up getting sick and then it's like that's where it's over you know I've seen that many times so I'm I'm looking for that penetration
2: yep but
1: yeah you know it's 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 crazy I'm chomping at the bit right now for season, definitely. Um, what do you guys? I mean, we 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 we're seeing bucks now. Like, what do we got here? But uh, I mean, Zeke and I are going after a lot of the same bucks, so we already know right. what we got. So, <laughs> Tealyn, what do you got? <laughs> uh,
2: just over here working on building up that hit list. Yeah, uh, I got three on the list right now. I've got a probably my number one's a ten point, um, about 130 inches. But I have been drooling over a six-inch, the or a six-point that might go I, I 80, like him. 80, 90 inches. I but like he's just massive, eight, 18 inches wide, seven-inch G twos, <laughs> and he's, no brow tines hardly.
1: <laughs> he's just got. He's just massive. Yeah, you know, he's just like. I would think, I mean, you've seen obviously more pictures than I have of him, but is he, is he like a three-year-old, you think? Is he older, dear?
2: Yeah, so I got pictures and videos of him from last year, and you can tell he's probably oh, a good two-and-a-half last year. So I'm saying he's three-and-a-half, maybe four-and-a-half this year. We'll that's put fun. him on the ground and find out.
1: Let's ground check him. <laughs> I like that. I like the ground checking. Okay, so what's uh, out of state this year? You guys, you drew Kansas. Yep, Kansas. And you Kansas. did too. So you you, that's right, you two were in the the boat that did draw and then the other five didn't draw right correct so what's your guys game plan you're going to go back to the well like you were having teal and you had some good luck over there and some spots and zeke so did you are you going to go right back in or what
3: oh no i'm going to switch it up um probably gonna see if i can get my guide to take me back to one of his (laughs) honey holes and
1: which guide's that little brother oh yeah (laughs)
3: The buck hound, yeah. <laughs> the buck hound might see if we can get him to sit with me a couple times, since the the bucks just gravitate gravitate towards him. He's
1: like a he's like a big buck, or he's like a buck gnome. Yeah, and, you know, just sit right here, like a little gnome on a on a on a house. Just sit here.
3: But no, I'm not. Uh, I mean, I'm sure I'll check out a couple of his spots, but I got a couple. He of them. didn't draw Kansas this year. He didn't draw, but he'll be with us, and he's he's talked about maybe going on a hunt or two and um, filming. you. yeah, we'll see how that plays out, but i got a couple other spots in mind um i think the the common theme is go deep <laughs> usually
1: <laughs> go deep. we try uh, <laughs> you know try to just go deep. try
3: and uh you know try to pull off some all-day sets like that's gonna be the hardest thing for me is staying in a tree all day but it's tough man the biggest you thing talk is about a
1: mental game all day yeah, sits you know when you start packing those like day after day after day, that's tough, yep, oh,
3: I think the biggest thing is uh I think that ten to two window the the proofs there, yep for our group, you know in the recent years is that's a good window to have your ass in the stand,
1: you know in odd of state hunts, I like to in the mornings, I like to go especially in the rut, go in just after gray light, you know, just kinda ease your way in. You, and when I go, like, if I'm hunting, I got nothing else to do that day. So it's, like, kind of makes it easier to sit in a tree. But it's, like, you get to about noon and it's, like, I've been here for four hours and, like, haven't seen shit. But that's when you hear a twig snap. You look over and you're, like, there's, a like gobstopper over there. Just, like, it's tough, you know. But you're yeah, there to hunt, so pack your goodies and you're, you know.
3: Being on a saddle all day is what I'm a little worried about.
1: Have you done it yet? Have you sat all day in a saddle? No. No? Have you?
2: Not all day, no. But uh, last year on private here in Michigan, I used my saddle all year. So I've spent a lot of time in it, just not all day.
1: What's the longest sit you've had in them?
3: I don't know. I mean, it'd definitely be Oklahoma, so probably four hours. I mean...
1: What'd you I, think after that? Like, did anything get tired? It's not terrible. Anything? It's not terrible,
3: but it's just like, ah, I need to get down. But, yeah, you know... I'm kind of like what you said earlier you know i got a little touch of add and i just gotta i gotta move Move a little bit so that's that's one thing i need to try to do you know tough through it but that's even in a normal stand it's hard to do
1: tough you know and it's you know life gets in the way too like around here i want to sit all day around here like my my cameras show me that in the rut phase is like one o'clock that noon to one there's just box cruising every year. You just got to pick the right day, obviously. But like I've told myself, and I did it twice last year where I I took Peyton to school and then I went and sat in a tree at like nine to one, you know, and that's tough. Like the sun comes up and you're Mm -hmm. just like, you're just, you're just sitting there, you know, like a turd in a tree, you know? And it's, it's like, man, it just feels weird. It just feels weird, but life happens. then you're like, you got to, go pick your kid up at three from school (laughs) and it's like but still you hunted that day i mean you gave it your best effort and you know the rut phases i say that can happen but you know even there's a lot of guys talking about how they'll sit the morning and then they'll move for the afternoon and i'm like i could get into that Mm -hmm. you know what i mean you get up kind of scout a little bit especially if you're on public or something find a new spot set up for the evening like i could get into that for sure I don't know. We'll see.
2: My biggest thing is when I spend those extended hours in that saddle, my back just starts giving out on me. Mm-hmm. It starts hurting and then Even with the method? Uh, yeah, really. I mean, I need to I try to adjust it and I'm moving up there, but the longer I sit, the more I'm adjusting it and I I've, I've kind of got back problems anyways. Um, so one thing I'm trying to do this year to combat that is doing some sit-ups and stuff at night, doing mm-hmm. some crunches, trying to work on my like core strength. Yep. Because I think that'll help me going into those longer sets like that, and it's hard to get time to go like go to the gym. But I've got 20 minutes before I go to bed, so I'll just lay next to the bed and do do. <laughs> it sounds cliche, but no, I think it it's gonna help. Yeah, Ugh.
1: and you know, like there's, I've been trying to run as much as I can, and you know, I've always say like, <laughs> I'll come back from a run and I'll be dead, just dead. And my wife will be like, how far did you go? I'm like, ah, I went 1.3 miles. And she goes, really? And I go, yeah, but my, my lap time was like 7.12. Like, I don't have, like, I have like a like a fast, like, I feel like that's a fast pace. Like, like I, I, I won't, don't know if I'll ever be like the five-mile guy, you know, that's like, like, in 12 minutes, I could be back from a two-mile run and like, but I did it pretty hard. You know what I mean? Right. I'm just sweating and I'm just sitting gonna die more of know? a sprinter than a marathon guy <laughs> <Yeah>. More <laughs> like a bottle rocket you, yep. know? <laughs> you know not like a diesel engine um but anyway so yeah like whatever you have time for like i do the same thing push-ups sit-ups like yeah like working on the old girl here but uh my core is more of like a wet biscuit than a, <laughs> than a washboard so i don't know what's your what, what gets uh, there's got to be something that gets tired or you know, when you're sitting that long feet, your feet get hurt, you know, nothing.
2: No, it's really just my lower back.
1: I'm picking your brains. Cause I haven't sat in a tr- saddle in 11 years. So, and I remember I, when I did it, it was my lower back. Like it hurt.
3: Yeah. And I, I'd have to agree with Justin. I mean, that's maybe it's just me, but I mean, they're, don't get me wrong. A saddle's comfortable, but whether I'm in a tree stand or a saddle after a certain amount of time, it's the backs barking.
1: Mm-hmm. My tree stand, like, doesn't matter what tree stand I'm in. Brand, whatever, it does not matter. I don't sit down very much. Like I I just don't. So my lower back kills all the time from standing on the tree. And now we'll sit, you know, four or five hours in the morning and four or five hours in the evening, you know, and it's just just hurts, you know. And then I switched up my boots twice. I'm like, well, maybe it's my boots, and it's like just sitting there, not doing anything, you know. But I think I like the idea of a saddle because I feel like I could move a little bit more. You know, might not be good, but you can adjust. Like I heard uh, Andy Mann, a podcast talk about, he's like, in an all day sit, I'll adjust my saddle 30 to 40 times. Like he's like, I'm just constantly adjusting because.
2: Yeah, know, just tr- trying to stay comfortable. And if mm-hmm. you stay comfortable, you're going to be deadly because you're staying in the stand logger. For sure. Yep. But, and you know, it's one thing to do it for one day, but when you go out on those out of state trips, you're doing it five days in a row, in six a row. days in a row, seven days in a row. And by day eight, you're like, all right, I'm ready to just do something different.
1: Let's talk about that a little bit, like getting in the grind, getting the mode of things. Cause you guys have been on out-of-state hunts too. And you're there to hunt for seven, eight, nine, ten 10 days. When you get into that daylight or, you know, morning sit, evening sit, or all day sit, like, how do you, how do you stay positive? How do you, do you have a, a method you do is it like, how do you do it?
2: you want to talk about a mental grind (laughs) it's super mental because you have highs and lows your buddies are killing deer you may or may not be be seeing anything depending on the situation you have in front of you you could either be all chipper and all smiles or you could be like son of a bitch what what do i got to do well and then you
1: got your wife at home with a kid possibly that it's like should probably be home you know what i mean And it's like so what do you do i mean what how do you keep that positive attitude when things aren't going or, or maybe it's yeah. When things aren't going right, it might be like day six or seven of a eight day hunt. And you're like, you're with four other buddies they've killed or had opportunities. And you're the only one sitting there with your thumb up your butt. Like
2: you really got to maintain a positive attitude and you got to have, you got to have fun too with it. Like don't go back to camp at the end of the day and be all pissed off because you missed a buck or you didn't see anything. You got skunked. You just got to go and, back to camp and think that tomorrow is going to be your day. You just got to maintain a positive attitude, but that is the hardest part. I mean, it gets, it gets grueling on you. Mm -hmm.
1: What, um, I don't know where I was going to go with that question. It's, it's difficult. I want to do a hypothetical here. Okay. Let's say you're down and it's probably happened to one of you guys. Let's say you're down on a trip with your buddies let's say all of them killed five of them killed you haven't yet okay it's you got three days left of your hunt you know you're getting it from your buddy's end like getting a little razzing or whatnot and you haven't had an opportunity how do you stick to like your game plan of like you know instead of just blowing in the timber like i'm gonna pick the first tree like how do you stick to a a a game plan of like i'm gonna scout a little bit find the sign like how do you stay on the straight and narrow doing it that way instead of just like Doing an emotional decision does that make sense?
2: Yeah, yeah, I've been there before. Uh, out of seven of us, I was the last guy that hadn't shot, <laughs> hasn't, hadn't killed anything yet. So didn't even bend limbs back. Ah, uh, yeah, that was twenty twenty, but oh. <laughs> I, I had plenty of practice that year. <laughs>
1: plenty of opportunities.
2: <laughs> but again, you know, you're you're the last guy. You got to keep trying. You can't just throw in the towel with three days to go. But like, what I'm so, saying
1: is, how do you how do you st- stay from like away from making an emotional decision that might even cost it even more
2: i you you just got to take it back to the basics yes yep take it it back to the basics uh camera pulls check cameras um go off intel obviously you've had six other people covering a lot of ground take some of their feedback where's the hot spot try to get in on some of those places and and set up and see what happens. Uh, that's, do you become that was my... a,
1: do you become a, a stand or a spot jumper or do you just ride the hole? like, I know I've got faith here. Like that's a hard one too, because I've done both of them. I've been like, I'm going to start jump. I'm going to start chasing cameras. I've chased cameras before. There's a buck here. There's, you know, somebody told me to go there. I'm going to do that. But then there's times where I rolled the hole and I'm like, Nope, I'm doing it here. And this is, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't
2: happen. I'm a jumper. I start jumping around looking for opportunity. Yeah. Um, I just I feel like if I sit in the same spot for the next three days and I don't see a thing I'm going to be beating myself up and I'm going to be wondering what it would have been like if I would have tried that other spot that I had in the back of my mind or you know went and checked out a different area I'm looking for a different opportunity Mm -hmm. changing up the scenery something's got to change
1: yep Zeke
2: I like to give it a couple days but after two I gotta jump
1: Yep.
3: but I think back to your main question and I had to do this to myself but you gotta have the mindset that if you don't kill, it's not a s- successful hunt.
1: If you don't, it's not kill. all about killing. Okay. Yep.
3: It's not an unsuc- unsuccessful hunt. I mean, the very first year we went out in 2019, I was one of the ones that didn't kill, and I was like, "Man, this," you know. It was I mean, me and another guy at the very end. It's raining. It's blowing cold. Everybody else is killing. Yeah, everyone else is back drinking beer, warm, dry warm, in the cabin. Dry. We don't drink beer, <laughs> and just your mind just takes you back. Man, I wish that was me. Man, I wish. And then, you got to go back to the basics. Like, I ain't at work. I'm on vacation here. Why am I so pissed off? Mm-hmm. And just, just the whole, the whole thing. Take it all in. You know, you're gonna be mad if you don't kill one, no matter what. But it's not the end of the world. You just gotta, like Justin said, stay positive and just take it all in, and just put your best foot forward. I mean, not to sound like a motivational speaker, but you got to pick out the positives in it. Well,
1: and that's a good point too. And like, I think what you're kind of saying is like, find the little wins. You know what I mean? Like, what are the little wins here? Like you might've went in and, and maybe you saw a shooter, but he was off in the distance. Like, okay, that's a little win. You know what I mean? Like he's, there's one here. Now I just got to adjust or, you know, I'm, I feel like, I have negative tendencies, but like much like I'm a positive person to the point where if we're all in camp together, I'm, a, I'm just as jacked for you guys that it would be like, if you're coming back and having the worst hunt of your, like me as a buddy, I'm trying to pick you up as much as I can. Like, yeah, I'm going to do a little razz, but I'm also going to be like, how can I help you? Like, let's so like position yourself with good buddies in a, in a circle to go hunting with is, is a good one too like i want if i'm down i want the guy to take like come over and take me be like hey man check this out this is what i've got on my map or whatever right here how would i go in there and like i'll help carry your stuff in or whatever like i want a guy that's going to jump up and do that and give me the opportunity to say no i'm good or you know what i mean like just those are good people to have around you, mm-hmm. you know what i mean and like your brother's one like austin he's he's a positive human like he just he wants to see you be successful. In my eyes, like that's, you guys have spent more camps with him, like on the road, than I have. But he's just like, he doesn't say shit if he has a mouthful. But he's like ultra positive. Yep, you know, yep. so just position yourself with guys like that too, which you guys and we all have. Like all of us are a good group of friends, and you know, might be a bad egg in there too. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But no, that's the mental side of things, man. Doesn't get talked about a lot, and it's just finding that little process to how to combat that. And that, I like to ask guys like that, like, "What's your deal?" You know, when you go to full draw, do you, you know, one buddy he's got like on his riser, he wrote "relax," like look, like right above his pin housing, it's like right on his riser, it says "relax," and he's just like, it's just a little note. You know, when I go to full dry, look at that, and it just like takes me back to zero, and I'm like, I'm in.
2: Yep, you gotta have that mm-hmm. that check for you, mm-hmm. that self check.
1: <clears throat> so let's we're at an hour right now, but let's let's wrap it up on some goals. I've talked about my goals in past podcasts, but like, what's your goals, Justin, for this year?
2: You know, like I said in in the beginning, just improving my myself rather than improving myself. Mm-hmm. All I want to do is improve my shot process or. Learn something new about my property that I didn't know before, or potentially shoot something behind the house. And that's another goal I have for that's this year. Yeah,
1: forgot about that. Yeah,
2: got thirty acres there that I've never killed a deer on. I've owned it for well, I bought the twenty last year, but had the ten for going on five years now. And I did some uh, some clearing it back there this past winter. Took out some canopy. I got a pretty nice food plot going in now. So, trying to draw them in. It's a big wood setting, putting food back there, hoping that we've got a good acorn mass to rely on. Um, I did notice, you know, I had that gypsy moth issue last year. Oh, really? And it just tore my trees apart.
1: Acorns, they didn't eat the acorns then? There was zero acorns. Zero.
2: No droppings on uh, zero acorn mass last year. It looked like November and July. I mean, the leaves were right down to nothing. So That's crazy. This year, I had an aerial applicator come by and spray them i um, hoping that helps they've been fuller this year got a lot of foliage on so i'm thinking the acorn mass should follow suit um would like to be successful in kansas really going to try to mentally prepare myself for that put in those longer sits grind it out i don't want to leave there this year because chances so going are going deep yeah going <laughs> deep spend some time back there um but I don't want to leave at the end of the year this year and be wishing that I would have done something different Mm -hmm. because I probably won't be back there for a couple of years. Got a couple extra hunts on the horizon coming up. So probably next year and the following year, it'll be three years before I go back to Kansas more than likely. So want to lay it all on the table and not leave any stone unturned.
1: For sure, man. It's a good goal. All are good goals, little goals, but like self-goals you know i like that like making yourself better and in these little processes your shot process like that's a good one that's that's a big one you know zeke what do you got
3: i would say just becoming a better bow shot this year um is one of my main goals is having some better kill shots i mean last year that 10 point i shot the second time that's the first time i've stroked a deer perfect like that and it felt really good um didn't actually see him go down, but he was about ten yards from me being able to see him. you know, he just mm-hmm. went into the seizures, but I think that's that's number one just some better bow shots um which you know, like we talked about this whole podcast uh talking yourself through a better habits um relaxing mm-hmm. stuff like that, stuff I'm working on just by doing routine shooting, and then second I think piggybacking off Justin's coattails getting on a good kansas buck um one for two down there so first one nothing nothing crazy big but my goal is to get on a nice one and hopefully be my best buck to date
1: kill slob i hope so hell yeah man how about you um kill a public land buck is my one of my high-end goals i've never hunted public land you know in state or out of state never done it so um got a trip up north early october you know i i want to kill a buck but honestly the camp that the guys that we're have like i just can't wait to share camp you know a lot of cool guys that i want to learn from and just like converse with and everything and it's totally different i've never been up there scouting this area nothing it's we're literally going to pull in speed scout and hunt you know um and it's the it'd be october like 5th through the 10th so it's like who knows what could happen with weather it could be hotter and shit it could be raining all weekend i don't know could be we'll see but you know and then i've scouted the shit out of some public land that you guys know about um up north and got some decent deer on camera and um really discouraged with it though not gonna lie to you um a lot of swamp, a lot of cedar swamp, not a lot of change in topography. Um, The deer are there, but it's very intimidating. I've said it before, like public land is, you pull up and there's thousands of acres of public land and it's thicker and shit, you know, and it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's difficult because in my opinion, it's flat. I like having terrain features and not say there's not, but it's not like, They're very gradual hills, um, but I just haven't done a lot of swamp hunting, so it's something new for me. Um,
3: A lot of second guessing. Am I in the right spot? So
1: much second guessing, dude. And then you've got like, you know, I got a couple cameras next to some some parking areas and it's like, you know, people say to go deep, but then some people say to stay close and it's like, you know, and I'm reading the sign, the sign's really good, you know, really good and... I don't want to say too much but you know and it's like if i'm 200 yards from a parking lot yeah who gives a shit? but i don't know i i just gotta i've still got an issue with leaving deer to go you know i feel like i'm wasting my time
2: so a question <laughs> for you I, i've been wondering about this so you being newer to the public game and that comment right there leaving deer to go find deer. so scenario for you say you're set up on public you spent all summer you spent all this time diving in doing the mock scrapes hanging the cameras getting all this intel and you are set up in there your first trip in and you get some bozo uh. walking right underneath you smoking a cigarette uh with his i don't know i was gonna say crossbow but i don't want to offend anyone <laughs> say he's got a 22 <laughs> and he's looking for some squirrels
1: oh dude
2: and he's right in your spot where you spent all this time uh dissecting what are you doing
1: oh uh i mean i'm getting down i'm moving for sure yeah and it's like you know i'm a type a person i like to have control you know and i'm a i'm like private i can control it in the fact of like how many times do we send a text to each other it's like hey are you going hunt tonight where are you sitting at And like, we try to manipulate that, like, don't want to run into your, you know, don't want to run into somebody or go in somewhere where somebody had already hunted the day before or whatever. So you can kind of control it. And it's just like, man, I'd have to move though. I'd have to move. I'd I'd be pissed right off probably. And that's like, that's where I ask a lot of people about public, like, you know, how many guys walk up on you and and how do you react to it? And it's like, i tried to put myself in that situation. How would I react? Like, think about it. Like, Let's say it's November, early November, first week of November. Crispy morning. You drive forty-five minutes an hour to get there. You get up. It's like I mean that beautiful morning, you know. And you got deer on camera, maybe, or it's just like a morning to be in the woods. You've got nothing to think about that day. Your wife tells you hunt all day. You know what I mean. You mm-hmm. got it. You frost on go the leaves. Oh man, <laughs> starts getting crack a day. Here comes two headlamps. I'd be fucking pissed like i would be irate you know what i mean like I, I don't know what i would do
2: and that's the public game too that's what we run into down in kansas i was sitting on some hot sign on the edge of a river you know pretty deep back in there not i wouldn't say it was like crazy deep but here comes a guy on his kayak like nine ten o'clock in the morning like what are you doing coming in here at this time he's just rolling and he gets to a shallow spot and he gets out and he's dragging his kayak across the rocks. shit probably oh just making all kinds of ruckus and it just takes the wind out of your sails i'm like what'd you do i wrote it out i just i sat it out because i'm like well maybe you'll kick something to me or you know maybe some something lucky will happen but i wrote it out and i didn't see anything the rest of the day and it just it made me think like should i have got down and and made a different different opportunity or did i do the right thing and and ride it out i don't know
1: i will say i've scouted this particular piece of public quite a bit so far and most of the sign that i like is pretty close to the road like within a couple hundred yards of the road um i think i'm in a couple spots where they're overlooked like i think i have one spot where it's like here it is. Like I'm going to I I don't think anybody goes in there for a couple couple particular reasons, but um that's one of those reasons I might just like really gear up everything to go in there and hunt and then the first day here comes Billy Bob, you know, running rabbits or something and <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Like I don't know. Um discouraging, but I, I I want to try it. It's still, it's, it's a challenge. I think that's my goal is to kill kill a public land buck, you know? And it might be a six-pointer. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. We'll see. I was just make.
2: curious because it's kind of some of those mental games again that you kind of run yourself through the paces mm-hmm. on and be in public land, you just, you know that it could happen at any minute. Yep. Yeah, you can be super mad, but there ain't nothing,
1: nothing you, can you can do, do. about it. Nope. Well, and then it's too, like, I say that in one breath that I'd be really mad and probably move, but like, I feel like a lot of those deer get a lot of that pressure. So they just adjust. So, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe you just adjust or maybe you, like you said, like you stick it out and see what happens. And, you know, maybe they might push something to you, but, um, I honestly think like, will I be really bummed if I don't kill a deer on public this year? No, you know, it's, it it might be a three year process. It might be a two year process. It might, you know, it's not easy. Hunting is not easy. Um, and it might take, Cause to be honest with you, this particular piece of public, it's a it's a pretty decent drive. It takes a lot of out of the day. You know what I mean? When I can go hunt behind my house or go hunt at the family farm, that's like, you know, ten minutes away. Like I can get more sits in, and you know, might only have time to get fifteen minutes and rush out there and go hunt. Like, you know, it might be. I don't want to hunt public on weekends. I don't see an. Like, I just feel like that's when everybody's going to be doing it. So it's going to be a Tuesday or Wednesday, possibly a Thursday, where I can just scoot up there for probably an evening sit, you know, and just see how it goes. I don't know. We'll see. I might have done all this pre-season stuff to not even hunt it once. I have no idea. (laughs) I got cameras running up there, but we'll see. Mm -hmm. I don't know. All right, boys. I appreciate you guys doing this little improv to podcast um good information in it just wanted to bullshit and pick your guys's brains and talk a little bit and you know we were going to be together working on both tonight so why not sit down and do a podcast so
2: yeah always fun
1: appreciate it fellas and yep, uh, thanks as always everybody thank you for all the support and all the downloads out there don't forget to go support all the partners that help the fall podcast run please go to itunes leave a five-star rating and leave a written review And don't forget, we'll be right here next week on The Fall Podcast.
0: One of the most legendary shows in the outdoors is on Waypoint TV. Don't miss Primo's Truth About Hunting, Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. For in the...